Greetings in, in Jesus' name. It's been a blessing to be here today. Today, um, my mind was drawn, and today is Children's Day. And I don't know how many are aware of that. I know we make a, a lot bigger deal of Mother's Day and Father's Day and Grandparents' Day. But today is uh, what has been, I guess, titled Children's Day. And uh, I was thinking down that line, and I am so blessed to have so many children in church, so many young families with children. It is exciting for me. I'm so glad they come to church. I'm so glad that they're here and they participate in church. It is so much fun to, uh, to see it happen. It's so much fun to see them come out of Sunday school and to be so proud of what they did in Sunday school and show their mom and dad. It's so fun to see them learn, to memorize verses. So this morning I am gearing a lot of my uh, message towards that, and I guess if you're too big to be called the children, then I guess I'm sorry about it. It's, it'll be okay. There'll be another Sunday. But I do think we can all take from it. I, I do really appreciate, like I said, our children. Even if it is distracting sometime, I love to... Uh, I know when we got to church here, we talked about how the cars are going to start in the back and they'll roll all the way forwards or the pencils or whatever is dropped. And I know some people think, oh, it's so distracting. And I know as parents, you're like, oh, no, not again. That just happened. But truthfully, it's actually a blessing because there's many, many churches that really don't have anybody to drop a car unless the older people are bringing them. And that's really sad. So I'm actually kind of blessed. I'm blessed with the commotion in church. Sometimes it takes place. I, uh, I was told here quite a while back there was a minister who was was preaching one Sunday, and a baby cried, and he stopped. And he stopped not because he was upset. He stopped because it was such a foreign sound in their church. He stopped because it took him by shock that there was a cry in church because they had no children, or very few children at that time. He was overwhelmed, and he was blessed by the child crying, so it was not that. But it just hit me. How blessed we are to have so many youngsters and so many families in our church. So I say God bless you to that. Um, when we hear a young one cry or drop anything or anything, it's just kind of part of church. And I love that part of it. So God bless you all for coming. I, one of my personal highlights is coming to church and getting a high five from one of the youngsters and shaking their hand. That innocence, that excitement, sometimes people bring issues to church. It looks like maybe they crawled out of bed on the wrong side. Most times the children come with a grin and just a high five or a handshake. It, it makes my day. So I want you children to know, I'm not going to do a children's class, but I'd like to uh, gear it to you at, uh, today. So I'd like you to know you have a very important part in our church here today. Um, it may be just a smile, it may be a handshake, it may be telling an older person what you did this week in your own way. It's such a blessing. Got a couple stories I'm going to quickly read, then we'll get into a uh, uh, message here today. It was Palm Sunday, but because of a sore throat, five-year-old Anne stayed home from church with her mother. When the rest of the family returned home, they were carrying palm branches. Anne asked them what they were for. People held them over Jesus' head as he rode by on a colt, her father explained. Wouldn't you know it, Anne fussed. The one Sunday I'm sick, Jesus shows up and offer pony rides. Found that kind of comical in her own little way. That's what she assumed was happening. But anyway, um, I do have one on faith of a child. 
I'd like us to uh, think about it here. How, and it's by Charlie Roberts. How do we find rest through the chaotic mess that we call life? By coming, believing, and trusting with the faith of a child. By trusting in our God-given measure of faith and realizing everything is going to be all right because God says it will and that's enough. Growing up, I thought my dad could fix anything. I treasured the times just he and I would take a long road trip. I remember one time in 1973 when I was about 10 years old, we had eaten supper out, which was a big deal. We pulled out after eating on US 30 and a hot rod pulled up next to us. We were driving what probably weighed two times or more than the other car, but still I thought my dad's car was the fastest car around. It was a 68 Ford four-door station wagon with a three on the tree and a 390 V8 with a four-barrel carb, which, was, which by today's standards would describe a tank. I leaned over with all the faith in the world and whispered to my dad, You can take him, Dad. And that's exactly how God wants us to be with him when we ask him to accomplish the impossible situations in life, to come, ask, and believe with only exception, expectation and faith of a child. Whatever you may face, no matter how big the situation may seem, God only quote, requires childlike faith to move the mountain and meet your need. I read that story because as children, it is amazing how their faith looks at Christ. And it's like, it doesn't matter what we're driving. We've got the best because we trust in Dad. I believe here today, even us as adults need to uh, have that childlike faith in God. That we can ask for the, you might say, the mountain to be moved and have the faith that it can be moved. And have the faith that uh, it, it can be a thing that is work. So today, I'm going to share for the next few minutes on a very familiar passage. It's where Jesus feeds the 5,000 people. And I'm going to read out of the book of John, John 6, the first few verses there in John. Now, the feeding of the 5,000 was recorded in all four Gospels. is one of the few miracles that is actually recorded in all four. I chose John uh, for various reasons. I, I enjoyed the way he wrote it. A couple details he added in there. And I'd like us to think about it. I, I have a hunch most of you children have heard of the feeding of the 5,000. But I'd like us to, we'll draw a couple points out of there. I hope that interests all ages as we go. John 6, and I'll read the first 14 verses. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which was a sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his sign, which he performed, and those who were diseased. Jesus went up to the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he, sa he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down 
in, in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up, filled 12 baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. As I mentioned, I know that this, this, uh, this miracle has been re- recorded in re- many, many, many times. But here in the first few verses, um, we have Jesus going across the Sea of Galilee. And John mentions here in the first few verses that it was a time of the Passover. So it says there's a great following. Now, I don't know if there was a great following because they were Galilean pilgrims on the way to Jerusalem for the Passover. Or, or what exactly why there was. Or if it's just people continued to follow Jesus. So as we uh, look at these few verses, I, I want to point out a couple of points. And the one is, and oh, let me back up. It says there was 5,000 men. So different people have assumed it could have been between 12, 10 to 12,000 people there. So let's get this setting right. Here's Jesus. He's uh, preaching. And it, and it appears like he had, in, in Mark mentions, that he had been preaching to them or teaching them all day. So their people are hungry, and this is where the miracle starts to take place. He asked Philip the question. He said, where shall we buy food that these may eat? And it says he tested him for his faith because Jesus already knew what he was doing. I find it very uh, interesting. So he asked Philip, and if I understand right, Philip was one of the disciples that was very level-headed. He was very, um, he thought through his things, and he's like, okay, Philip, now where, where are we going to get these, th- these people food? So I got a question for the children here today. I just stated that there could have been ten to 12,000 people there. So how, do you think they had McDonald's back then? I see heads shaking no. No, I think you're right. I don't think they had McDonald's back then. So he asked one of his disciples, he said, where are we going to get the food? And his response intrigued me. He said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient to feed all these people. So what is 200 denarii? Does anybody know? A day's? No, it's actually like, from what I studied, and here again, I'm not, it's people's opinion, but 200 denarii would be eight months worth of salary. So by today's standard, and I looked up dear old Google, so forgive me if I'm off, but they would say in Iowa, the average salary is between 40 and 50,000. So I took $42,500. It would have cost roughly $28,000 to buy enough food to feed these people. So Philip's like, what's up with this, Jesus? I mean, like, where, how are we going to feed these people? And I think he specifically asked Philip this question because he wanted to prove 
And he wanted them to realize that this wasn't really possible, humanly speaking. Like, it just wasn't going to happen. He kind of wanted to show the hopelessness in human terms of the situation they were at. They wanted to feed the people, but there was no way they had eight-month wages on them at this time. So, we come to verses 8 and 9. And it says that there was a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they really going to do among so many people? Now this lad, a lot of people feel he was between the ages of 8 and 12, somewhere in there. So I'm going to say today he was probably 10 or 11 years old. How about that? So he was a little guy. I got, I one of the children. Who is 10 and 11? Stand up. We have four children here that are 10 and 11. Thank you. So can you imagine if one of those children were in a group of 10,000 people? Now the town of Kelowna, I don't even know. How many people are in Kelowna? Does anybody know? 2,600. So the whole town of Kelowna came times four at least. We're all on this hillside and, and, and you were this 10, 11 year old out there listening to Jesus. And I do appreciate this, and I want to take a few liberties here maybe, but uh, I, I do believe this lad had chosen to come to hear Jesus. And that's what I want to encourage the children here today, and all of us, is he came because he chose to learn more about Jesus. He maybe had walked a half mile, two miles, four miles, I don't know. Do we choose today to want to learn more about Jesus? And even as children, do you, do you come to church, do you want to learn more about Jesus, or do you come because your mom wakes you up, pushes you out of bed, encourages you to come, says, hey, you need to come, or why do we come? Do we really want to? Would we walk two miles to hear Jesus? And I know we say today, well, Jesus ain't here today in person like he was then. We would if he was here, but we have his word. We have his words. We have all kinds of things that we can learn. Do we really care to learn more about Jesus? Now, the second thing I'd like, the second point I'd like to point out today, so the first one is, he had came to hear Jesus. The second one is, I do believe um, that he was paying attention. And I thought about this, because sometimes in our churches, even us old folks forget to pay attention. We've already got Monday's plans planned out, Tuesday's plans. We've got figured out where we're going to go, what we're going to do. We've got stuff already in our heads and the preacher gets long-winded, so let's just drift off into Wednesday afternoon and have a plan. But I believe this little guy had, a, this 10, 11-year-old lad had a plan because, or had listened, because if there was 10 to 12,000 people there, we just said that's four times the town of Kelowna, how'd they find this lunch? He had to have heard that, hey, what's up with lunch? So he came forward. And, I, and his lunch, and it, and it really does, he, his lunch I'd like to spend a few moments on, and I got this from Endearing Word, the commentary, but his lunch, it says specifically they were barley loaves and two small fish. Now, the fact that they were barley loaves that this little lad had, probably many came from a poor family. Because in that day, 
Barley was regarded as a simple food more often fit for your animals, for horses and donkeys, than for humans to eat. So, barley was one-third the price of wheat. So this poor little feller, he was there in this, this whole group. So, can we imagine walking through there, and you had less than adequate food by what was considered around you. The two small fish, John calls them, and I'm going to butcher this Greek word, but aspara, indicated small fish, perhaps salted fish, to be eaten as relish along with the cakes of barley. So he wasn't carrying 12-pound catfish. He wasn't carrying this gigantically big, large-mouthed bass that was like, wow, I could give an amazing gift to the Savior. He was probably carrying a lunch that some people would have just mocked at. So I want us to think about that. The, the lunch, the fact that he was there, the fact that he was paying attention, and the last point I have here today is the fact that he gave his lunch to Jesus. Now we don't really know that, I guess. I might have to say that honestly. Maybe they just swiped it from this poor little kid and he sat down and cried because he thought, well, there goes everything I got. But I do believe that he, he uh, gave all that he had. Now, he could have said, and some people do feel like maybe he had a friend with him. Because they feel like five loaves and two fishes were probably enough to feed two young boys. So anyway, but he could have said, hey, it's lunchtime. Let's go sit down underneath that tree over there and eat our lunch. Why would I give this to Jesus? I mean, what good's it going to do? I got a question for the children. Five loaves of bread. How many people do you think that would feed in two fish in today's standard? Hold up fingers. I see three. Anybody else have another opinion? Two? One? Anybody else? Five? I mean, how many people do you think could eat this? We're not talking about... The buffet at, you know, Pizza Ranch. We're talking about a small bag of food. And so this young feller could have said, you know what, what good is that going to do the whole world? Or the whole throng of people? Anyway, he didn't. I believe he gave his lunch willingly. And I want us to think about that as we go forward. All of us have something we can give. Sometimes we think we don't have much. That we could really do any good in the magnitude of life problems. So we make excuses rather than give what we have. You know, I believe probably the disciples had more money in their pockets than this little boy had for lunch. But they were worried about it ain't going to do no good. Where this little boy said, hey, here's what I got. Here you go. It is not our job to multiply the fish and bread. But it is our job to give all that we have to Jesus so he can do the work. Think about that a little bit. It's not our job to multiply the fish and the bread. It's not our job. I agree with you children here today who said one, two, three, four could eat that lunch. Because that's not really that much. I believe no matter what are our talents, gifts, or what we have, the only question really Jesus is asking is, are you willing to give that lunch to me?
As I mentioned earlier, you children may say, well, I don't have much. I'm not very big. I don't have any money. What can I give? I think you can give lots. You can, you can uh, be the kindest person in your school, in your class. You can listen to your teachers, your parents, your grandparents. You can brighten somebody's day with a smile, with a grin. You can be kind to all friends. So I'm going to ask you this question. What are you willing to give? Are you willing to give your lunch, even if it's less than par? Think about that. I believe every person here has to answer that question. And then as we know, the most amazing part is that after they gave it to Jesus, he fed 12,000 people. Like, what if that little boy would have went and ate that lunch underneath that tree? He'd have felt maybe okay. Maybe not. Maybe it wasn't even enough to satisfy him and his buddy. I don't know. But in all honesty, after he gave that to Jesus, the miracle happened. And I believe sometimes today, we don't think we have enough to give. So we give nothing. Because it would be a joke anyway. And we miss out on the miracle that Jesus has in plan for us to feed those thousands and thousands of people. God took a little shepherd boy named David and made him a great king. God took an old man with a speech impediment and freed the Israelites from Egypt. God took a bunch of fishermen, a tax collector, and made them into great religious leaders. God took a little boy's lunch and fed 5,000. So you just provide the bread and let God take care of the miracles. This time I'd like to bow for a word of prayer and ask a blessing on the children and all you parents that have children and uh, the blessing they are. Let's pray. God, I come to you today and I thank you that you are God. I thank you that you care for each and every one. You care for the little ones. You care for the big ones. You care for each one of us, and I thank you for that. I ask you now to bless each one of the children that are here today and that come to church so regularly. Thank you for the influence they have in our lives, for the influence they have in this church. People say that the children are the church of tomorrow, but I actually think they're the church of today, God, and I thank you. I ask you to bless each one of them for making the effort they come to learn. I ask you to bless their parents. I know sometimes it's not easy to be mom and dad. It's, it's a lot of work, but God, bless each one of the parents with young children here today and each and every day. I pray that as we walk this road of life, we can honor and glorify you. We can look to you for, our, um, for the miracles as we give what we have to you, God. I pray that each one of us would not say we don't have much, but we would say, here, God, you can have all that I have. We thank you and praise you. I ask you to just bless each and every family. We ask this all in your name. Amen.